Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. This, this couple are so, they're so precious to us. And uh, as I've explained before, I don't customarily have pastors in to minister because I'm a pastor. And so, you know, you're exposed to the pastoral anointing. And, uh, but I try to bring, you know, evangelists and prophets and apostles and other teachers in because I want you exposed to these different ministry offices. So I don't, I don't bring a lot of pastors in. But uh, the Lord dealt with me about having Pastor Field with us today. Because he, he, God has put a tremendous grace on his life. And he's a, he's a pastor, but there's a, the calling is greater than that. I won't go into that, but the calling is greater on his life than just that of a pastor. And nothing wrong with just being a pastor, because I be one, you know. But uh, I knew and I know that his ministry will enrich us. And so he taught on the subject of the blood covenant uh, a couple of years ago, and it was just so rich in revelation. And I've taught on it a little bit, but uh, he really has has been given some extraordinary insight uh, in this in this topic, and it's so important. And so I asked him if he would come and minister to us along this line. And so, Pastor Craig, Miss Jennifer, if you just stand up and Pastor Jennifer and greet everybody, praise the Lord, Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother, take your liberty Love today. You. Thank you. Amen. Thank Glory you. to God. We're glad to have you. Praise God. Can you hear me? What a privilege to be in Florida. You guys are so blessed. You don't even know about it. You don't even know. Just come and live in Canada for a year, and you will be grateful for your country and your state. My beautiful wife, Jennifer, is here with us, and uh, we have four children from 17 down to 7, all boys, and uh, we've been uh, pastoring for about 13 years, preaching in the ministry for 31 years, and uh, traveling and associate pastoring and missionary work, and pretty much done a little bit of everything over over those years. But uh, God is recently transitioning us, and uh, while we continue, I continue to pastor, my wife is starting to take a more prominent role in the church, and we're, God's been having us plant churches recently. And so we're planting a work, it's already started in Africa, in Liberia, and in the Philippines, and in Dominica, and the Caribbean, and in different parts of Canada, up north with the First Nations people. It just seems to be moving. Things just seem to be moving. Praise God. And uh, uh, so it's a busy life, but it's a, it's a, we're grateful for the opportunity to serve Jesus in whatever capacity. And I must say, your pastors are, um, uh, you know, we, we, we're connected with Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy, and outside the Dufresnes, I don't think there's anybody I love more than your pastors uh, on the planet. And I don't just mean in North America, I mean anywhere in the world. There is such a camaraderie, such a fellowship, such an ease, and such a, a trust and respect that we have for them and their understanding of the word. And uh, as an elder in the body of Christ that I look to as an example and as a lighthouse. And for him to have me come here is a tremendous privilege for me and my wife. 
And so thank you for having us. Amen. I, I, I was praying and seeking God because he, he, he asked about the blood covenant. I do teach a lot of that when I travel. And, uh, but I said, Lord, how, you know, there's a different, you know, the blood covenant is such a vast subject. And typically for me to get into what I would call a complete, a complete teaching takes me six sermons. Now, if I'm a little bit uh, rambling, it takes me eight sermons. Okay, and if I give too many examples, it takes me 10 sermons. So for me to try to put it into two sermons is very challenging, to be honest with you. But I said, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? And so he, he broke down some things, and I'm going to hit some highlights. And, uh, but I believe the highlights are going to bless you. But I sensed this morning, and pr- when I was praying early this morning, I sensed there would be more of a teaching flow this morning and more of a preaching flow this evening. And, and I, I kind of step in and out of both those flows. Um, and so uh, I, I normally that preaching anointing will come on me every service or more or less every service. But I heard the Holy Spirit in my heart say, just do some teaching this morning and lay a good foundation. And then I'm going to turn you loose tonight. That's, that's, how, that's how, honestly, that's how I heard him. I said, Jesus, are you really going to do that? Because I don't know if these Floridians are ready for that. But, uh, <laughs> but I heard him say, I'll turn you loose tonight, but I want you to lay a good foundation this morning. So that doesn't mean it's boring. It just means it's a little bit of a different delivery. So can you, can you settle in with me for the next few minutes? The blood covenant is one of the most important subjects for us to understand as believers. And in my traveling and in my talking to different Christians and ministers, I find there's a lot of ignorance about the blood covenant. Like I said, it's a very vast subject. You can't, it's like faith. You can't teach everything about faith in one or two sermons. It's a very vast subject. But there's some important basics that I think every believer needs to understand. And unfortunately, in my questioning of people in my own congregation and others, I find that there's a little bit of a, not as much knowledge about this, this covenant and about what it really means. And so let's start with, if, if you would be so kind, in the book of Genesis chapter 15. And, uh, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna start and see where we go. And uh, my wife always says I talk too fast and I need to slow down. And I tell her just to believe for the interpretation of my, but I'm going to try to go as slow as I can. So Pastor Nancy said, you, you, you talk too fast, Pastor Craig. And I said, well, Pastor, I got a lot to say <laughs> and I got a short time to say it. So I got to, I got to move ahead, but I'll try to go as slow as I can so that you can follow. Have a look with me in Genesis chapter 15. Holy Ghost, we thank you. We thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the precious blood. Your word says the spirit, the water and the blood, they agree. That means Holy Ghost, you love it when we bring forth the revelation of the word of God. That's that water, the washing of the word. And you love it when we talk about the blood because the blood is the basis of our covenant. And your word says that life is in the blood, the life force of God, the father, the most powerful force in the entire universe. The very life force of the father is in the blood. And when we understand the blood, we understand the foundation of who we are in Christ. We understand our dominion. We understand our righteousness. It takes care of virtually every problem that we'll ever face because it's our covenant. So open the eyes of our understanding today. Give us wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of your word. Make your truth real to them. Thank you for the anointing. Lord, without that anointing, I can do nothing. But with it, Lord, all things are possible. So I thank you for the delivery to help them understand it clearly, that it would be interesting and that they would catch the revelation of what your word is saying, even as we just talk about the basics. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Genesis chapter 15, verse 7. And of course, uh, we can read for sake of time. I'm not going to read the first six verses, but this is Abraham talking to God. And it says here now in verse 7, And God said to him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit. In other words, it's a promise. And he's saying to God, how do I know that I'll inherit it? You say I will, but I want some guarantees here. How do I know that you're going to actually help me inherit it? And basically, the answer to how we know, are you listening? God promises you certain things. You may say, how do I know? How do I know that I can be healed? How do I know that I can be blessed? And the answer that God gives him to let him know is he cuts a covenant. The answer that we know that we can believe and trust God is because we have a covenant with him. That's how we know. That's how Abraham knew, because a covenant was cut with him. Now, let me read it to you. And it says in verse 9, and he said unto him, Take a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took them unto him all of these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterward they shall come out with great substance. He's talking about, you know, Egypt and then, you know, the great exodus. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come thither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, watch now, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Remember earlier, he said, how do I know I'll possess it? And now he's cut covenant with him and he says, now you are going, you can take me at my word because we are now in covenant together. And when you're in covenant, what God has is yours and what you have is his. Any believer that doesn't believe in tithing has no concept or clue about their covenant because a covenant is a, is a, is a relationship with God where what you have no longer belongs to you. Bible says we're bought with a price by the blood of Jesus. Because we're washed in the blood, we have come into a covenant with God the Father. What we have is his, and what we have is what he has is ours. Now you see this, this covenant that he's cutting, and there's some I'm not going to go into all of it because it takes too long, but basically there's some symbolism. The deep sleep that fell upon Abraham symbolized Jesus when he went into that deep sleep and he died. And we see it says the horror of darkness fell upon him because there was a horror of darkness on that day that Jesus died. There was a horror of darkness on that cross and there was a horror of darkness when he went down into hell, which Ephesians 4 tells us he went to hell because he had to go into that realm as well as this realm to be our substitutionary sacrifice. So we see there's some symbolism. We see it represents Jesus dying. It represents the horrors of the cross and hell. Even the birds here, you know, there were birds that he had to chase away. Those, Jesus was engulfed. The Bible calls it bowls of Bashan and Psalms. There were demons that were celebrating his, his apparent demise when he was on the cross. 
And when he first went into hell, they thought they had got him. And they were birds. Now we know birds represent demons. Jesus said the birds, the demons come to pick away the seed that was sown. Remember in the book of Mark. And so we see some symbolism here that, uh, that there, was a, there was great oppression. Those birds, he had to chase those birds off the sacrifice. There was those birds, that demonic power, that hellish environment that Jesus went through. This is all symbolic of what Jesus was going to go through. But I want you to pay attention here for a second. Because Abraham, a lot of people think God cut covenant with Abram. And in some ways that's true, and in some ways that's not true. A lot of people say God has cut covenant with me. And a lot, in some ways that's accurate, but in other ways that's not accurate. God technically did not cut covenant with Abram in this story. Abraham was the beneficiary of the covenant, and Abraham could enter into the covenant. But God did not cut covenant with Abram. And these are basics now, but I'm going to just try to teach you a little bit to give you some basics. A lot of Christians I hear say, God's cut covenant with me. That's not scripturally accurate. God has not cut covenant with you. God has cut covenant with Jesus. And Jesus being the door allows you to enter in through the door and through his blood into the covenant that he cut with Jesus. Thank God he didn't cut the covenant with you. Because let me, let me, I'll explain in a second, but if he cut covenant with you, you'd be damned to hell for eternity. If he cut covenant with Abraham, the Jewish race would be damned to hell for eternity. Because anyone that breaks the covenant, there are consequences that come. So we see here that it looks like he's cutting covenant with Abraham, and he is from the perspective that Abraham enters in as a beneficiary, as a recipient of it. But he actually didn't cut it with Abraham. What he did, let me explain to you what they did. I'm going to read just something from my notes because this is from a theologian that is very well established in this area. And and I'm going to just read a little section here. It says, during the covenant ratification ceremony, parts of several killed and dismembered animals were laid side by side with a path between them. The parties to the covenant walked between the animal pieces, swearing the oaths of the covenant. So what they would do is they would take animals, and the animals are listed there, and they didn't just cut them. They cut them a very specific way down the spine. They cut, and they, and they did it long ways, and they separated those animals. And what they did is they made half the animals were on this side, and half the animals were on this side, and there was a path between the animals. This is ancient, this is ancient blood covenant, what they did. That's what, that's what happened with Abram. Abraham knew about covenant because in the ancient world, covenant was a very known fact. In the modern era, it's not that well known. But in the ancient world, it was a common understanding. You cut the animals lengthwise down their spine, you separate them, and you put them on either side. And in the killing zone, there is, there is literally what they call a trail or a path of blood. Because the blood gathers in the middle where you slay the animal, then you, then, you, then you fillet them and you put them on either side. And what they would do is that the two people that were making covenant with each other, they would each, one by one, walk in the path of blood. They had to take their feet off because their, blo- their feet had to be covered in blood. And they would walk in the path of the blood, and they would go up and down, and as they would do that, they would pronounce the blessings if they kept the covenant that they were cutting, and the cursings if they didn't keep the covenant that they were cutting. In fact, Deuteronomy 28 is really a pronunciation of the blessings and the cursings of the covenant. 
One part of Israel would call out the blessings and other, other tribes would call out the cursings because what God was saying is you, we're in an agreement together. This is a sacred, holy agreement, but you've got to do your part. Now, if you don't do, it's not a free, just get away with whatever you want. If you don't do your part, there are consequences for violating the covenant. Now, in the Old Testament with Abraham, the consequence of breaking the covenant was death. Not just physical death. In a natural man, if me and you cut a covenant and we broke it, one would die physically. But when you're talking about a covenant with an eternal God, then the consequence of breaking the covenant is death, which doesn't just mean physical death. It means a spiritual separation from the one you cut the covenant with forever. So a spiritual separation from God or spiritual death, which includes physical death, is the consequence if you break the covenant. So do you understand? God could not have Abraham walk between the pieces of the covenant because what he is saying is, this is what I swear to do, God. I'm coming into a divine and holy covenant with you. This is, this is the holiest act in the Old Testament. We have taken innocent life. The life is in the blood of these animals. They have sacrificed their innocence. And on this holy blood path, I walk the blood path. My feet are filled with blood and I call out that I will obey the the oaths of the covenant. I will keep the covenant. And if I don't keep the covenant, let, now listen now, this is, a lot of Christians don't understand this. What What they were saying was, let the curse that came upon these animals, which is death, let that come upon me if I break the covenant. In other words, if I violate the covenant, I will be as one of these that I walk between. Do you understand how serious that is? What they're saying is, if I keep the covenant, we have all the exchange of blessings, rings, robes, property, names. There's all these things that they would exchange if I keep the covenant. But if I violate the covenant, the same thing that happened to the animals that were sacrificed, let that happen to me. Because the curse, what theologians call the curse of the covenant is death. If you miss, if you mess that covenant around, if you play games with it, and if you violate it, you are doomed to the same death of the animals that you used to cut the covenant with. So they were literally walking. I want you to picture it. A a man would walk the path of blood back and forth, and he would call out, if I keep the covenant, these are the blessings. And if I keep the covenant, let the curse of the animal that has been slain come upon me, and I shall also die. Then he would step out. Then the other man he's cutting covenant with would come and he would walk the path of blood. And then they would cut their wrists and do their own blood. So it was their own personal as well as the animal. And now they have entered into a bond that is greater than your own blood brother. Like you can, you can have a son or a daughter or you can have a brother or a sister. The blood covenant bond was far closer in the ancient world than even your own spouse than even your own child, than even your own brother or sister. It, re- it went way beyond family bloodlines. It is now a covenant in the blood of innocent animals, and you are obligated on pain of death to obey that covenant. It was a very sacred thing. It had great benefits if you kept it, because now you've just gained all the access to everything that your covenant friend has. But if you, if you broke it, it, it means you're gonna, you, you would be killed. So it's, it's, it's a very serious thing. So I, if you understand the basics of what a covenant is and how they would do that, when Abraham split the animals, Abraham split the animals. But then if you notice, and he's shooing away the birds, but then if you notice, God put a deep sleep on him. 
Why? Because Abraham was not qualified to walk the path of blood. If Abraham walked the path and called out, I will keep the covenant. And if I obey the covenant, God, all that you have is mine. The blessing, what we call the blessings of Abraham. This will be my blessing. But if I fail the covenant... I shall be as one of these. And the curse of the covenant, which is not just physical death, but spiritual separation from you, who I'm cutting covenant with, will become my portion. And if I break it, I will then be lost for eternity away from you. Do you understand why God could not allow a human being to walk the path of blood? Because the guarantee was Abraham is going to miss it. Why? Because Abraham has a sin nature. And even though he was a godly man and a righteous man, he is going to, after that cutting, at some point in his life, he is going to make a mistake. And the first mistake puts him in eternal separation from God forever. And if Abraham, by some miracle, never sinned again, from that moment to the moment of his death, the next generation would be held accountable. And if one sin was done by Isaac, that's lost for eternity. And it goes down and down the generational line. And how many know Abraham made many mistakes after cutting this covenant, including sleeping with Hagar and many others. He was not a perfect man. No human is a perfect man because the sin nature abides in us. And while we try, we are going to miss it from time to time. So God in his perfect understanding of covenant knew, I can't let my boy walk the path of blood because he is going to miss it. And when he misses it, if I cut covenant with him and he keeps it, oh great, he's blessed. But if he misses it, he's lost to me forever. And I don't want him lost forever. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send someone who I know is not going to miss it. So he sends Jesus, his son, what we call the pre-incarnate Christ theologically. Jesus was on the earth quite often before he came down and, and it was born of a virgin. You see Jesus with Gideon when he touched the rock and the fire came out. You see Jesus with Joshua when he had the drawn sword and he said, and remember Joshua 6, he said, go take the, go take Jericho and he gives a, anytime you see the Lord, L-O-R-D, it's in a pre-incarnate Christ if he's there as a, as a man. We, so Jesus came and visited Abraham before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Remember? If you, if you study the Bible, there's many situations where you'll see the pre-incarnate, meaning Jesus came and visited for a purpose and for a short time, then he'd go back to heaven. But then when he came through Mary, he abided on the earth as part man and part God. But before Mary, in the Old Testament, you can see many times Jesus visited. Now, this was one of the times that Jesus visited as the pre-incarnate Christ. But in this, this is the most valuable visit that Jesus has ever made to the earth. There are other visits where you can read in the Bible where the pre-incarnate Christ came. Jesus in the flesh as, as the Lord, God, Jehovah, but before, before the New Testament was ordained. But this was the most valuable moment. This was the most valuable pre-incarnate visit. Because unlike Joshua, which was great, he showed him how to get Jericho. Unlike this, unlike that, this was the inception. This was the origin point. This was when he was saying, there's a whole race of people who we know as the Israelites or the Jews. I'm about to make a covenant with all of them. And eventually the seed out of this man is going to be the savior who is going to ratify the covenant. 
So this moment of time here in Genesis 15 is a dividing time. Everything before this in the Old Testament, everything that happened before was good. But now God has cut covenant, not with Abraham, but for Abraham. Are you with me? He did not cut it with Abraham. He cut it for Abraham. Because if he cut it with Abraham, the first sin he committed, he would be lost. Because the curse of the covenant has to come on the breaker of the covenant. So what does he do? Oh, he sends Have a look there with me. Look down there in verse, praise God, in verse 17. Oh, it's so precious. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between these pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Notice that he made a covenant with Abraham, but he, but Abraham didn't walk the path. Somebody called the burning lamp walked the path. The furnace. Do you know who that was? That was the Lord Jesus Christ coming down into this earth. He sees Moses sleeping and Jesus walks. I'm telling you, you got to picture this. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a story or a movie. This actually happened. Jesus with Abram sleeping. Jesus walked as a spirit man, a spirit being. He, he's not a fully human. He's in a pre-incarnate form. But he walked the path of animal blood and his feet were covered with that blood. And he walked up and down that path just like a human would. And he called out the blessings. Now remember, he's our substitute or our the mediator of our, the go-between. If you study, if you look at that, I'll give you some scriptures in a second for, for those verses. But if you look at what mediator means, it's Hebrews 6 and others. Mediator in the Greek means a go-between. Somebody that goes between you and another person. God knew Abraham can't do it because he's going to miss it. So I have to find somebody that is going to qualify. So I'm going to use my own son, myself, to go between the blood and call upon himself the blessings and the curses. That means Jesus called upon himself and Abraham and Abraham's seed. Because remember, Abraham's entering through him. He called upon blessings. And we see those blessings listed in Deuteronomy 28. If you obey the covenant, if you live according to God's word, if you follow God, this is all the blessings I'm going to do. And there's healing and there's financial prosperity and all the blessings. Jesus called out those blessings as he walked the path. Not that he needed them because he's God in heaven. He doesn't need any blessings, but he's calling them because Abraham is going to enter into this covenant because of what he did. Now he also calls out curses. If Lord God, Father, you know I can't miss it. That's why I'm doing this. But if he or any one of his descendants or any foreigner that comes into the house of Israel, if any one of them miss it at any time between now and when I return to the earth as the Savior, if they miss it, are you listening? Technically, they will be lost if it was cut with them, but it's not cut with them. I'm the one walking the path of blood. What is he doing? I call this is the, what theologians call the glory of the gospel. I call upon myself, Jesus said. I call upon myself the curse of the covenant if Abraham or his seed line break it. If they break it, let the curse come upon me. I will become a curse for them. What does that mean? I will have to die physically 
and I'll have to die spiritually because the curse is death, which is not just physical, it's spiritual separation from God the Father. You can only have spiritual separation in fullness when you go to hell. You can have spiritual separation on the earth. Lots of unsaved people have that. But you don't have the fullness of it till you go into that hole there, into that dark kingdom, and you are lost for eternity. And he called on himself the curses of if they break the covenant. I, what he was basically saying is, I will do their dying for them. Don't kill them and let them be lost. Kill me. Let me take the curse of death. Let me be like one of these animals. That's why he's called the lamb that was slain. Let me be like one of them. But here's the glory of it. God knew if there was ever a man and a God man, a son of God and a son of man, what, 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 what uh, the world would call a demigod, a human being that has divine DNA in them. If there could ever be one that could satisfy the demands of justice, but yet was fully human, it would be Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that could come born as a virgin, and that means he's man, but he had the bloodline of God the Father, because the bloodline comes from the Father's side, and there was no sexual relations to cause her to be impregnated. God put his DNA blood in her womb, and now he has divine blood, so he satisfies God's justice that can take away sin. And he has total humanity, so he is one of us as a man. And he can, if he does not sin, which he did it, he now qualifies as fully God and fully man. And now he has to still come back. And he has to call upon himself the reality of the curse that he called in Genesis 15. Because if he called it then and Abraham sinned, which he did, it means somebody has to die. If it was Abraham, he's gone, he's lost. But if it's Jesus... The master plan of God. That's what the Bible says that he, he had it in a mystery. In the ages, Satan, with all his brilliance, with all his might and his mind and his... Satan is an ancient creature. He's been around a very long time. He started as an angel, the highest angel in heaven. And I can prove that from the Bible. But that's not what we're doing today. He was a brilliant, brilliant being. And yet with all his advisors and all his fallen angels and all his demons and all his smarts, he could not figure this mystery out. Because if he could, he would never allow Jesus to walk the path of his own blood. He would never have let them kill him. But he is, with his brilliance, he's not that brilliant, is he? Because he couldn't figure it out. And it's called the mystery of the ages. No human could understand this. No demon could understand this. Satan could not understand this. But God and Jesus had a plan. They list it. I'm going to come. Cut covenant with you, Father, because I'll never miss it. On their behalf. Let them enter in through me. Now, when they miss it, and they will, death has to come on them. But Lord, because I walk the path, let it come on me. And I'm the only one that death can come on and not hold on to. I'm the only one that can go to hell and come out of hell. They can't go to hell and come out, but I can. Because I qualify as fully God or I will qualify as fully God and fully man. So this is the master strategy of heaven. And he cuts covenant with the burning lamp on behalf of humanity. And now humanity enters in. 
And that's why you read Deuteronomy 28, 1, if you'll obey, and I'm paraphrasing the word of this law, I'll set you on high above the nations of the world. If you disobey, all these things are going to happen to you, negative things. And as long as they obeyed to the best of their ability, the blessing of God could reach them. But if they didn't obey, they have a problem with God. But you see, the thing is, even when they didn't obey, they're not, in a, they're not afraid of hellfire. Because the death has to come upon the one that walked the path, not on the one that entered in as a beneficiary. So what did they do? I'm trying to help you understand some basics. So they would live under this blood covenant of the Old Testament. And it was not a perfect covenant. Why? Because it was not cut with perfect blood. It was cut with animal blood. It's still innocent, but it's not holy. Are you with me? Animal blood is innocent. They don't commit sins, but they're not holy. They're not divine. So now we've got a problem. We've got the blood that is working in Abraham's day and all the way through to the cross. We've got this blood covenant working. But this blood covenant is cut with God and Jesus that humanity enters into, but it's not the best of covenants. But it's better. It's a placeholder covenant because the best covenant is coming when Jesus enters the earth through Mary. And dies on the cross. But in the meantime, we've got a covenant that is at least, it's causing, it's allowing God, it's God, Pastor, if people really understood this, they would, they would never question if God wants to bless them. He was so desperate to bless the Israelites, but he knew they're going to sin and then they're going to cut themselves off from his blessing. So he does this ingenious plan to let Jesus take the curse. Now he still says, you have to live right. The Israelites, you have to live right. You have to be right. But if you can just try, just try. A little bit. And just try to live according to my word. I'll set you on. I can bless your socks off. Why? Because your sin, even though you sin all the time, is not removed, but it's covered by animal blood. Do you understand? So Abraham kept this covenant going. Every generation kept this covenant going. Kept this covenant going with not any other blood except innocent animal blood. And what that animal blood is, it put a covering. Their sin was tucked underneath that covering and that would be like a shell over them. Now, if they still disobeyed and got outside, I'm trying to help you. If they disobeyed and got outside that covering, God couldn't protect them, couldn't bless them. The, the, the nations would, would oppress them. But if they would turn their hearts toward God, you see that all through the Old Testament, if you just turn your heart back to me, if you just honor me, if you just repent and come back to me, if they would turn, they would enter into a lesser covenant, but a covenant nonetheless, and they would be under this shield of blood, animal blood, that God cut with Jesus for them. And it's not the best covenant, but it's better than nothing. It allowed God, if they stayed under the blood, it allowed God to bless them. It allowed God to protect them. It allowed God to lead them. But they had to stay under that blood. And because it was animal blood, it got an expiry date. And so every year, they would have to go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest, and sprinkle that animal blood on the, on, on the different things in there. They're all symbolic. But they would sprinkle that and they would cover the people for a whole nother 365 days. But every year they had to redo the, they had to renew the covenant. Every year. Because they're going to miss it and God has to see blood or he's going to judge them. So he sees innocent blood but not holy blood. But the day is a coming. God keeps good books. It's, it's called his justice. The day is coming where the one that walked the path has to pay the price for the sin of the people because he called on himself the curses. Are you with me? Do you realize when Jesus walked in Genesis 15, he was prophesying his death. He was saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to do it for him. 
And I'm going to do it for her. And they haven't been born yet. In fact, they're going to be in a different dispensation altogether. But I see them in the future. And I want them as my family. And so I'm going to pay. I'm going to call on myself curses. If Abraham misses it, which he is, Jesus knew he was. And so he makes this thing called the blood covenant to protect Abraham in the midst of his sin. But sin is always there. It's never really left them. The consciousness of sin is there. Guilt and condemnation is there. The awareness of sin is always present in the Old Testament. And then there's this covering over them. That's why people in the Old Testament couldn't go to heaven the way we know heaven. Because you can't get into heaven with any form of sin covered or not covered. Because even though it's covered, it's still present. So they had to go to a holding tank called paradise in Sheol, in the underworld, which was a section of hell, but it was not a section of torment. Remember the rich man and Lazarus, they could see each other. One was tormented in Abraham's bosom, that's paradise, and one is in the tormenting part of hell. Those are the ones that rejected the covenant. But see, there is a paradise area where it is, they're waiting for Jesus to show up, for the Messiah to come. And that is part of the underworld. It's not actual heaven. It's part of the underworld. So they had to go there and wait. Why? Because their sin had not been cleansed. Their sin was present, albeit covered by animal blood. Then when they die and they go into the underworld, they're waiting in a holding tank because until a sacrifice is made by the burning lamp, their sin cannot be cleansed. Are you still with me? Some of you looking at me like I have seven heads and ten horns. I, 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 I... I know it's a little bit complex, but I'm, I'm trying to help you understand it. I don't know, Jenny, if I'm not doing a good job, then you need to, you need to yell. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God for the blood covenant. The glory of the gospel is that God assumed the covenant curses himself in the person of Christ in order to save us. He took upon himself the covenant curse of death and separation from God. The only party that passed between the pieces was the Lord Jesus in pre-incarnate form. He was calling for his own death. He was taking Abraham's curse that Abraham deserved. So that when Abraham missed it, he would not be lost. He could just go to a holding tank when he died. And if he lived clean as best as he could to honor God, he could still have the blessings of God despite his sin. Because his sin was covered by that blood. And they renewed that blood every year by going into the Holy of Holies. Praise God. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, you guys are going to fail and break this. No matter how you cut it, you're going to. So when, when you do, you're going to have its curse, which is lostness forever. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it with my father on Abraham's behalf so that Abraham can enter in through that covenant that I have made. And I'm cutting it because I'm taking that curse on myself. And when you break it, and you will, I'm going to take your curse for you. But somebody has to still pay that price. I'm the one walking. I have to come back. So Jesus had to come back at some point after Genesis 15. Why? He had to come back to prove. Listen, listen. He could have just come back and died. Do you understand? But he didn't. He came to live a sinless, perfect life as fully man and fully God so that not just Abraham's curse and the Old Testament that he called upon himself, not just was that taken care of, but every human being that would ever live. 
including me and you. In the future, with his precious blood, he called on... So what he did is they, they all the different ways that they shed his blood, there's seven of them, I can't go into them for sake of time. But what Jesus did was he's on that cross and symbolically he's walking the path of his own blood. He walked heifer's blood, which covered. Now he's walking his blood. He's in that cross with his blood. They're whipping him on that post with his blood. They put the crown of thorns with his blood. He's walking the path again at Calvary. And he's saying, Father, I came before and I called upon me the curse of death because they would miss it. But I've come back to fulfill that pledge. Because if I said I'd come, I have to come and pay the price. And I'm here paying it. I'm here paying it for everyone that has lived before. All their sin, all their sickness, all their darkness. Lord, I call it unto me. Father, pour it unto me. Father, put it on me. And not just them, but every human being that would ever live. Let this be extended to them by faith. If they would just say, yes, let what I'm doing today go into eternity. And he called upon himself the curse of death and separation from God. And he took our sickness and said, yes, on that tree. But it wasn't just physical death only. There was a spiritual separation. He went down into the underworld and he was separated from God the Father as an unsaved Sinner. I know Christians don't like to talk about that. But you study the Bible, you'll find it in the Bible very clearly. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he was made sin. He didn't just have sin. It doesn't just put on him. He became a sinner for me. Where do sinners go? Hell. God was so disgusted, not with his son, but with the sin. He turned his back on him and he cried out, Why have you forsaken me? And up until, oh my God, up until that moment, Jenny, for all the eons of history in the eternal realm, before the earth was ever created, he was one with the Father. For all the years the earth has been created, when Lucifer worshipped him, he was one with the Father. For all the Old Testament, he was one with the Father. He comes and walks a path and says, I call it on me, I'll come back. And I'll be separated from you then. But he was still one when he walked the first path of blood. He comes and he lives his life sinless. And he's one with the Father. When he's casting out devils and walking on water and dew, he's one with the Father. And he gets whipped and he's one with the Father. And he's on that cross and he's still one with the Father. But at one point, we don't know exactly when, but in that six hour period on that tree, there was a time where all of a sudden, because the sin was so thick and darkness was so disgusting on him that he lost his salvation. He lost his connection with his father. And for the first time in the eons of eternity, Jesus, the son, was no longer connected to the father. They were no longer one. He became what God hated. He became the snake on the pole. He became the sinner And God said, I can't look at you. And he cries out, Lord, you've never rejected me before. Why are you rejecting me now? I'm rejecting you because the curse of the law, the curse of sin, the curse of the blood path has now taken hold of you. And you did it for Abraham and you did it for Pastor Pastor Anja and you did it for every human being that would ever live. But it had to come on you, son, because you called the curse upon yourself back in Genesis 15. Now it has come as you have called it and I have to turn away. 
And in agony for the first time, he doesn't know what it feels like to be with his daddy. And he dies in that state. And he goes into the underworld in that state. Because a sinner goes to hell. And he was a sinner and he went to hell. And I won't get into it now, but I'll get into it tonight. Don't even get me started. Because somebody came into hell itself. Called the Holy Ghost. My God. Somebody saw Jesus in the prison of the sinner in hell and the reveling demons dancing around him. And God said, go, Holy Ghost, and bring him back to me. And the Spirit of God, he came down. Oh, we'll get into that tonight. But I'm trying to get you to understand you did. God did not cut covenant with you. If he cut it with you, you'd be lost because you're guaranteed you're going to miss it. He cut it with his son. He cut it in the Old Testament and he cut it in the New Testament. The Old Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, and the New Covenant in his own blood. He cut it both times with his son. And Abraham entered in. And I enter in through that door. I can't do it on my own. I will fail. But Jesus can never fail. So my salvation is not based on my my guaranteed not to sin, my sinlessness, my perfection, my holiness. It's not based on that because I'm not. It's based on his ability to never sin. If I did it, it would be broken and I'd be lost. But Jesus did it and he cannot sin and he cannot fail and he lives eternally. And because Jesus did it, my covenant that I've entered in is secure for eternity because it can only fail if Jesus fails and he cannot fail. And the greatest test was when he walked this planet and not one time did he fail. Jesus cut covenant with Jesus and you are the beneficiary of that covenant. As we close, can I just say this? Just if you're writing notes, because these are important things to understand before I close. The old covenant is not perfect. Why? Sin is still present. Animal blood is not strong enough to remove it, only to cover it. So, I give you four words that are important theologically. The old covenant is not perfect. That's the first word, perfect, because it's based on animal blood. And animal blood can only cover The Old Testament is not eternal. The covenant of the Old Testament with Abraham is not eternal. Because why? Every year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, in the fall, they would have to come with the animal blood, go into the Holy of Holies. Remember, they would tie the the rope around the priest with the bells. And he would go in, and if if he had sinned, he'd drop dead. If the bells stopped ringing, they pulled him out, send a new one in. How would you like to be the high priest, the batter up high priest? You know, like the guy that's about to go in if the first one dies? Oh, God, you better hope that that boy's done the right thing, all the washing, all the ceremonial rituals, everything, and he goes in and he sprinkles that animal blood, and what? God's judgment is satiated for another one year. It had to be renewed every year, or the children of Israel would no longer have covenant. If they don't have covenant, God can't bless them. So you see, it's not perfect because it's based on animal blood that can only cover. It's not eternal because it has to be renewed as an expiry date. Number three, the Old Testament covenant was not free because you had to work to earn it. You had to do all these things. You had to do all these cleansing rituals. You had to, there was a law. Ever done high jump? I have, wasn't very good at it. I was better at long jump. 
When they've got that bar there, you've got to get over that bar. The law raised the bar so high that no human being could ever get over it. The law was our teacher to point us to Jesus. The law said, you can never do this on your own. The bar is too high to clear. The only one that can do it is Jesus. So look to him. The law was that whole, all those thousands of years was to teach us you alone and all your goodness can't do this. It's got to be by faith. So it was a covenant in the Old Testament, a lesser covenant, an animal blood that was not perfect because it could only cover, that was not eternal because it had to be renewed, and that was not free because you had to do certain works. And it was also, number four, not open because it was for the Jewish race. Now, any stranger could come if they chose to. In fact, most of David's mighty men were not even Jews, if you study it. They were from the other nations, but they saw what God was doing, and they were drawn, and they yielded, and God pulled them into the covenant, even though they were strangers. Do you understand? It wasn't only just Jews. Anybody could come, but you had to come physically to Israel. You had to come and follow all their washing laws and all their religious rites and ceremonies. But technically you could. But it was not from a perspective of the new covenant. It was not open to the world. People in other parts of the world could not enter into that covenant unless you came to the Jews and submitted to their ceremonies. So the old covenant, the blood covenant with animal blood was not perfect. It was not eternal. It was not free. It was by works. And it was not open to all. It was open to a certain race that God chose. But it was better than nothing. Because because of that covenant, they could say, when I sin, the blood covers it. Now, I'm still conscious of my sin. I still feel my sin. I'm aware of my sin. But at least I've got a covering. Are you listening? Now, if God's word says, don't do this, and I step out of that covering and go, I'm going to do it anyway, then what happens? God can't bless me even in the old covenant. But if I honor the Lord and I come and obey him as much as I know how, even though I'm not technically cleansed, I'm just covered, but I've got that shield over me. And when God looks at me as an Old Testament Jew, what does he see? He sees the blood because it covers me. But it's not the best system and it's not going to last forever. And God had to determine in his perfect knowledge when the fullness of time was. And then he says, it just happened to be in that Roman era. And he said, now, son, now go. It's time for you to call, for you called on yourself the curses. Now it's time for you to live it. But there's a plan that Satan can't figure out. You're going to be born. You're going to be a demigod. You're going to be half God, half man. You're going to have me and you to qualify to take care of sin, but you're going to be a man, a full man, as one of their own that can die for them. Because an angel can't die for a human. So God sends this plan and Jesus comes and you know the whole story he goes through and then he gives himself. They didn't kill him. Bible said he offered himself as a sacrifice for many. In fact, in the garden, if you study it, there was about 400 people that came to arrest him if you study it. Uh, And I've been to Gethsemane. It's not that big. That whole thing was packed with people, including Judas, who was possessed by Satan himself at that moment. Only time Satan ever possessed an angel is, is Judas and the Antichrist. And so Satan is in that garden kissing Jesus on the cheek. And if you look at Jesus, he had so much anointing and so much power at that moment. He said, I am! And he stretched his hands out and all 400 of them fell down flat on the ground. You read your Bible. Benny Hinn didn't start that deal. Okay? Jesus started the mass slainings of the Spirit. And it was with people that hated him. 
Not some courtesy drop like we see in the altar calls today. You know, a courtesy fall. Judas wasn't doing a courtesy fall and neither were the soldiers. They were there to curt him and arrest him and be violent toward him. And two words, I am. And the power of God slayed 400 people, including, which I love the best, Satan had possessed Judas. And Judas went down and Satan went down in him on the ground and bit the dirt with Jesus said two words. Jesus had enough power to stop being killed. He was not killed. He was offered. And he gave himself and he walked his own blood. And he said, Father, what I called in Genesis 15, let it come to pass now. But not just for Abraham, for Craig. Not just for the old, but for the new. Because this is the blood of my covenant, he said at the Last Supper. This is the blood of the new covenant in my blood. I'm making a new thing. It's not the old thing. It's a new thing. Why? Because it's not with animals. It's with me. My God, it's exciting. you got to understand the roots People talk about, you know, this, the roots of their heritage or Black History Month or whatever. And that's all great to know. But this is the roots of your Christianity. Understanding where do you come from spiritually. It don't really matter what country you come from. It matters where you're spiritually from. You're found in the covenant with Jesus. That's your roots. And as I close, we see here that this covenant that Jesus cut with his own blood, it now is different. He fulfilled the curse of the covenant and died, and he paid the price for us for the future. And so what did he do? He secured now a better covenant. The Hebrews calls it a better covenant with better promises. And what is that better covenant? Number one, that better covenant is perfect. It was imperfect. Now it's perfect. Why? Because I'm not hiding with my sin as my... uh, As my roommate, and we've got a little roof of the blood. And I'm always conscious of it. And I'm always feeling guilty because of it. But at least I've got the blood covering me as an Old Testament believer. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, this covenant that I'm in is a perfect covenant because it's not animal blood that covers. It's his blood that cleanses. So now when I sin, I'm not conscious of my past failings. Because the moment I fail, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. And if I confess my sin on the spot, no matter where I am, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. And to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Cleanse me with what? With his precious blood. If we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, is he in the light? The blood of Jesus cleanseth us from all sin. Before, they were roommates with their sin with the little roof of the blood. But in the New Testament... My sin ain't my roommate. My past ain't with me. My consciousness is not meditating on what I've done. Whatever I've failed in, and there are many like you, whatever i failed in, when I confessed it in the new covenant, it was not covered and lived with me. It was removed. It was cleansed and washed as if I never did it. And God says, I can't even remember, Craig, that you even did that. The devil remembers and he'll try to make you remember. But all you have to say is the blood. When condemnation and guilt comes, the blood. Satan, you have no right. The blood is against you. The blood removed it. My daddy can't see it. He doesn't remember it. I can't see it. It's not living with me. I'm not under a little roof of the blood. The blood is in me. The blood has washed me. I walk in a better free covenant because it's a perfect covenant. My God, it's number two, an eternal covenant. 
Jesus never has to die again. They had to do the animals once a year. It's done. From that moment that he shed it, for all eternity, that blood reaches to the furthest reachings of eternity. No expiry date on my covenant. Number three, it is free. There's no works. There's no rituals. There's no this and that. In fact, the, the, the covenant sign in the Old Testament was circumcision. It was an outward display that you're in covenant. But in the New Testament, it's of the circumcision of the heart. We don't have to even do anything with our bodies. We don't have to wash a certain way or wear a certain kind of garment or have some heifers or this or that. None of that nonsense. It's over. It's free from works. It's free from trying. It's free from trying to get over that bar. But every time I try, I hit the bar down. It's free. All I have to do is say, Jesus. And he says, yes, I receive it by faith. I receive the blood by faith. And at that moment, you are translated into a brand new kingdom. Your eternity in hell is changed to an address in heaven. And you are now his child in a perfect covenant that cleanses you. In an eternal covenant that never has to be renewed. In a free covenant that you don't have to earn. You don't come to church like the Catholics do. Kneel up, sit down, do the rosary. Kneel up, sit down, do the rosary. I know because my grandmother and my mother were Catholic and they baptized me as one. Thank God I got out. You get exhausted. Sit down, kneel down, sit down. Do the rosary, do the rosary. All that's works. Trying to appease God. Thinking God's mad at you. Thinking you have to do something to earn his love. All you have to do is, Jesus, by faith, I receive. And it's done. Because it's a free covenant without works. Oh my God. And it's a, number four, an open covenant. Any human being anywhere on the planet does not have to come to the Jews and wash. All they have to do is lift up their heart. We can be with the penguins in Antarctica or in the busiest city in the world. And they just have to lift up their eyes to heaven and say, Father, I believe. And that covenant comes into them. And that blood washes them. My brother and sister, you have... A perfect covenant. You have an eternal covenant. You have a free covenant. You have an open covenant that it's for the whole world. And the, and the act is not a physical act. It's the circumcision or the changing of your heart. Hallelujah. My God. Jesus is so good. He did it for us. I tell you, it's a very complex. a lot I've left out. I've left... Four times more out than I've put in in this sermon. That's what I'm saying. It takes a long time to get this out fully. It's normally a Bible school course that I do because it's, it's just very detailed. And there's a lot of scripture. And, and, and when, when you're on a Sunday morning, you don't have time to do a four-hour sermon. Well, if I do, then uh, pastor, uh, the pastors, will have, they have, I think they said they have uh, electroshock guns. I know they're going to shoot them at me any second. And, uh, and then you won't come back tonight. But, I, but I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to lay just a basic understanding Don't ever again say, I, God, cut covenant with me. Thank God he didn't. Because you'd be lost. Because you were going to fail. He cut covenant with my Jesus. My Jesus is perfect. My Jesus can't fail. Which means my covenant can't fail. Which means I'm safe. Which means no matter what I do, I just call on him and he cleanses it and I'm safe. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to live with sin as a roommate. 
under a covering. It's gone. I don't have to have my consciousness aware of all the time bad feelings, you know, guilty conscience, uh, self-hatred, self-loathing, guilt, condemnation. Jesus, thank you for your blood. I'm free. It's clear. I'm free. No works, no cutting of animals, no washing, just by faith. It's done. And no expiry date. And it's forever. And it's guaranteed. If Jesus never misses it, your salvation is guaranteed. Now the Bible says if you hate God and you hurt the Holy Ghost and you trample the blood on the feet, well then you're playing and you're going you're gonna to lose your salvation. But those are very extreme situations that very, very, very few people ever reach. And you have to be very high in the ministry and know God very intimately to be in that category of the unforgivable sin. For 99.9999999% of Christians, you can't, you can't commit that unforgivable sin no matter what you do, because he never failed, because it's based on his perfection, not on you, because no matter what you do, you're going to be okay. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I love you. Forgive me. That is why, that, that is why purgatory and the Catholic church would still do it today. I'm not against anybody. I'm just telling you doctrinal facts. That is why this whole things of where you buy, you pay money, and you, uh, indulgences, and, you, and they've done that for hundreds of years. They still do that today. Where now, instead of just taking tithes and offerings, now it's if you give $10,000, you can lessen your grandmother's place in hell. And if you just keep giving money and keep doing good works, you can eventually get her out of the tormenting part of hell, and she can go over into the paradise part of hell. And then maybe one day, if you're really good, she might squeeze into actual heaven. That's what they teach. You know what that says? That says the blood of Jesus has been reduced to animal blood. Because that's how it was in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Jesus' blood paid it all. You don't, ha- you don't save yourself or your family because you give money. That's a manipulation tactic. Indulgences and all the stuff is wrong. There is no purgatory. There is no paradise anymore. When you die, if you know Jesus, you're with him. And, when you, and, if, and if you don't know Jesus, you're somewhere else lost from him. There's no half house, halfway house. Where now that when your friends on earth pay a lot of money, you get out of the halfway house and get to the next halfway house. That's all man-made religion garbage. And that's why it's such an affront to God, these religions, what they say. Because it undermines the blood covenant. The blood covenant is the only thing that gets you to Jesus. Hallelujah. Jenny, thank God our covenant is the way it is. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's so much. I can't get it all out. I could say it in tongues, but they wouldn't understand But Lord, I thank you at least for the basics from Genesis 15 today. For us to remember that Jesus, you walked the path of the animal blood for Abraham and for his descendants. So that they would not be lost. You came back to fulfill what you called. You called death upon yourself. You came back to live a perfect life, to qualify for God as a fully man and a fully divine and fully human. And then you walk the path of your own blood at Calvary's tree. You fulfilled the curse that you called on yourself from Genesis 15. Your blood then cleansed all the Old Testament saints, which is why they could leave paradise and go to heaven. And any human being that would ever live from that day forward would have a new covenant in your precious blood. A perfect covenant that would cleanse them forever. An eternal covenant that has no expiry. A free covenant without works. And an open covenant for all the world. 
And because you did that, and you became sin and death for me and went to hell for me and rose again, I enter in through the door, the Lord Jesus Christ, and through his blood into this new covenant with the Father. And I am safe for eternity. I am clean. I don't have to ever have consciousness of dead works, old living, failures of the past. My sin is gone and it's out of God's memory and mine. I live with my head held high, clean and strong. The righteousness of God by Christ Jesus dominating in every sphere of life. And all of that was because Jesus, you cut covenant for me. Thank you for our covenant, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for doing it willingly for me. Thank you for the reality and the reverence that we have of the relationship we have with you. We have entered in through the holy blood of Jesus and we are safe forever. We give you glory and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.